This is Christopher Benincasa for the Jersey Arts Podcast. I recently met up with Aaron Agozi and Gary Marcus at the College of New Jersey. They were both there to talk on the same panel at the Music, Mind, and Invention Workshop. Agozi is co-founder of Harmonix Music Systems and one of the creators of the phenomenally popular games Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Gary Marcus is professor of psychology and director of the NYU Center for Language and Music, and he recently wrote the book Guitar Zero, The New Musician and the Science of Learning. Iran, when you were a teenager, you converted Beethoven's Ninth Symphony into some kind of code so that you could listen to it on your computer. And this was in the 80s, way before iTunes. Years later, as an adult, you created Guitar Hero, which has turned Harmonix into a billion-dollar company. Why do you think you've always been drawn to that intersection of music and technology? Uh, yeah, so I was... It, it's funny, for the longest time I thought of my life as, as being sort of having two parallel components. There's the music piece and there's the computer and engineering piece. And I didn't even think about the fact that I would be marrying them together into sort of one, you know, one thing that I do with my life, which is wonderful. Um, and it was actually through thinking back over the years that I remembered, wait a minute, there was this one project I did back when I was a kid, and I loved computers and, and well, you know, mostly because of video games and things like that, but also learning how to program them. Um, and of course, I was really into classical music growing up, so I was kind of that weirdo oddball that listened to classical music while everyone else listened to rock, you know. Um, and so it just seemed like this cool thing to do. Wait, I could, you know, here I have the score of Beethoven's Ninth, and, uh, and I could write a computer program that could actually play it. So... But, but, you know, it's only like thinking about it now, kind of in retrospect, that I realized that this, that I actually had made this connection when I was like 15. Um, and after that, it was, you know, it was music is over here and, and engineering is over here. And it was really only when I got to the media lab at MIT that there was a formal place um, in research and academia where I could combine those things. And, you know, that really was kind of the be- beginning of you know, the next great phase of my life. You know, I think I really owe a lot to, to the Media Lab for, for finding a home for these two disparate pieces that could get combined. And Gary, you and Iran are close in age. When you were a teenager, you wrote a computer program that could translate Latin into English. And now you run New York University's Center for Language and Music. What will your panel be talking about today? I think it's going to be an improvisation. I think we don't know exactly what we're talking about, but music and technology will certainly be part of it. Um, I came to music late in life, very late in life, partly because of Iran. I started playing Guitar Hero when I was 38. It was the first time I ever made any progress on music at all. It was sort of like augmented communication or something like that, and music for someone without a lot of sophistication. And I finally was able to make a little progress in rhythm, and that brought me into playing uh, an actual guitar starting at the age of 38 and a half. And um, I come to all of this as a cognitive scientist, interested in language and how we acquire language, how we evolved uh, to speak. And I keep thinking about music from that lens of sort of how does music and language relate? Is, is music innate in the way that language is? I think it's probably not, which not everybody agrees with me, but I, I think is in fact the, the, state, the true state of affairs. Um, so I guess in this panel, we'll, we'll talk about music, technology, evolution, things like that. Had you two met before today's workshop? Uh, so we have a friend in common, Mary Farboud, who um, I knew from the Media Lab and is at NYU. Um, and she introduced us and uh, we talked on the phone at some point, probably two years ago. That's right. Or so, uh, you know, when, when Gary was working on his book, um, and I had actually since forgotten about it, you know, because it was, 
you know, I think the interviews happen, then it probably takes a while to actually, you know, write the book. And all of a sudden, you know, the book is out. I was like, wait a minute, that that's a totally cool book, you know. And um, so Gary sent it over, and, and I actually just read it. And, um, you know, it's wonderful. It's great. I, uh, I really um, – it, it kind of harkens back to some of our original goals at Harmonix and what we were trying to do. And we're, you know, really trying to bring music to the masses in, in kind of a deeper way by using using methods that are more accessible than sort of traditional, um, you know, instrument lessons or, wh- or what have you. Um, and so I, ca- I kind of look at what happened here as a real, you know, testament to, to what can happen, uh, which is, you know, which is great. Gary, why is a game like Guitar Hero of interest to a cognitive psychologist? Video games are of interest because they're, they're a kind of referendum on human pleasure. So video games are not something that were around in the time in we, which we evolved. And yet they're exquisitely engineered to take advantage of the kind of brain that we have. So people who build video games think very deeply about, for example, human motivation systems, what keeps people going. So video game designers are actually better than most teachers at figuring out how to hold someone's interest and sustain that interest over a long period of time. So I think there's lots of reasons to think about video games as interesting studies on how that mind works, and music as well. And, of course, Guitar Hero and Rock Band are an intersection between those two. But anything that looks at our motivation systems, our pleasure systems, how those things work, work. I think those are intrinsically interesting. The other thing I'll say is at the end of the book, uh, at the end of my book, Iran uh, pops up because I talk a little bit about, well, what's the place of human musicians as the machines get better and better, as we have sort of augmented uh, musical systems? Iran, you've spoken about that awesome feeling you get um, from playing music with other people. In a sense, that's your product. But is it really the same feeling as torturing yourself, trying to play guitar for a year, and then finally nailing a Beatles song or something? Right. Well, so I play classical clarinet and I, I play with a bunch of, I'm, on, you know, honored enough to, to, to play with a bunch of professional musicians, which is really great. So I know what it feels like to be on stage playing, actually producing the notes. And, and this funny thing happens with, um, w- you know, with games like Guitar Hero Rock Band, which is, I, I, I think your brain sort of fools you into thinking that the into thinking that you're actually there making the music, even though clearly you're not, right? The music was made by some famous musician who's made the song really wonderful. But here you are kind of uh, moving along with it in such precision that um, that you kind of get fooled into thinking that, hey, I'm making this music. Plus we throw in the cheering crowd and the, the you know, the lights and the sound effects and, and everything like that. And, um, I, you know, I think that's why you get these you know, very similar sort of uh, pleasure sensations f- from from playing a, a, a video game like this. You know, even though I think your conscious mind knows that it's not real. You know, I'm not a cognitive scientist, so you should you should talk to Gary about this. But I think you know something is happening in your subconscious that is eliciting the same kind of feelings that that uh, you know a real musician might actually have on stage. You both do play real instruments, Iran. Uh, tell me about your group, uh, Radius Ensemble. Radius Ensemble is a Boston area chamber music group. Uh, it's been around for about 14 years, and I joined, uh, I think, on year number two. Um, it's a bunch of wonderful musicians all um, uh, playing all kinds of different music. We do things from, you know, your standard Beethoven, Brahms, Mozart, all the way up to commissioning new pieces. So every year we actually commission new works. Uh, and we really try to make the music accessible to to an audience, so we try to kind of get rid of the fourth wall, you know, uh, show people that that sort of classical music, as I guess it is called, um, you know, can be can be interesting. It doesn't have to be highbrow. Um, so it, our goal is to make the music more accessible to more people. Gary, you just published a book called Guitar Zero, and it's about you learning to play guitar the hard way. 
among other things. And in that book, we're introduced to your band, Rush Hour. Tell me about Rush Hour. I went to a summer camp with 11-year-olds, and I was going to write about the differences between children and adults. And the director of the camp said, sure, you can go sit in, you can watch if you want. But to really get the full experience, you need to play in a band. And then he said, and you should learn to play bass because there's never enough bass players. So I went off to this camp, and you have a week at this camp. And on day one, you meet your fellow bandmates. And there was some concern about whether anyone would allow me into their band. And I was you know, like, pick me, pick me, pick me. Finally, somebody let me into their band. And then by Friday, the, the deal was you would have written a song, and you would perform it and all the kids would bring their parents and I brought my parents too um, and, and uh, Rush Hour which you can listen to on GaryMarcus.com is uh, both the name of our band and I guess the name of our only piece and it's pretty good I think um, what I discovered is that the kids were much better at me at sort of the mechanics of playing and I had as an adult a little bit more sense about composition and so I did a lot of the work to sort of structure the piece what a game like Guitar Hero does is let people get to the music-making part without going through the drudgery of learning and practice. Is that where music is headed? Is that where musicians are headed? You know, I think uh, all this new technology and, and ways to access music through this technology is wonderful. It lets people kind of on-ramp onto it in all kinds of different ways, which I think is, is great. It'll, it'll mean that more people... Uh, will eventually uh, get to where I, I think everyone should be, which is, you know, playing an instrument and enjoying that. But um, the other nice thing about it is that people can do whatever they're comfortable with, meaning someone who might otherwise have never played an instrument, never intends to, can still have some fun and can actually learn some more about music using these new technologies, where otherwise I think it would have been a lot harder. So um, it's getting people involved in whatever level they, they want to be involved. I was taking the subway to the train station yesterday and I overheard this kid, he was about 18, he said, you know, I can make music with my computer, but you take away that and give me a real instrument, I just can't get into that thing. So I think we have a new generation of people that makes music in a different way, and yet we still have all these uh, possibilities that have always been there. So I would agree, there are more on-ramps, and I think that's great. That was Aaron Agozi, co-creator of Guitar Hero, and Gary Marcus, cognitive scientist and author of Guitar Zero. Our conversation took place during the Music, Mind, and Invention Workshop at the College of New Jersey. For more information, visit tcnj.edu. And for more information about the arts in New Jersey, visit jerseyarts.com. The Jersey Arts Podcast is made possible by the New Jersey State Council on the Arts, supporting excellence in the arts since 1966. This is Christopher Benincasa for the Jersey Arts Podcast. Jersey Arts Podcast.